Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Spooky Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's the spookiest Thanksgiving yet. Ooh, hi everybody. Spooky turkey. (laughs) Uh, uh, A spooky, right? No, that doesn't yeah. work. Hello, Spur- everyone. Spork. Hi. A Sporky. My name is Sporky. <laughs> My name is David Bell. My name is Tom Riven. And we just watched The Fall of the House of Usher. I got really excited. Like, The Fall. <gasps> Outerwear and pumpkin spice of the house. Ooh. A little less of Usher. Oh. Usher's huh. house? Usher? He was fine in the faculty. Usher? The faculty's Usher? family is a collection of stunted hearts. First time has come. Who are you? Consequence. And tonight is consequential. No, Usher's great. Uh, yeah, we love Usher. We love Do Usher. Do we love Usher? I think I so. Know. I think he's fine. Uh, I, I, I'm not I don't actually... think he's done anything. Okay, yeah, I haven't looked that up. I don't actually know much about Usher. Hi, no, folks. Just, just, um, just singing and dancing, man. Hello, everyone. Yeah, we are, man. We we have done almost all the Mike Michael Flanagan's. Um, we have, and- we have. So we sort of felt like we couldn't let the latest Mike Flanagan Netflix series, Fall the House of Usher, pass us by without covering it because we've covered most of the other ones. Uh, if not, we we didn't cover the Midnight Club. Um, oh yeah, I still haven't seen the Midnight me either. Uh, that one's real divisive. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Anyway, we're covering the newest one for yeah, a, a special are. little treat for one of the one of the holiday slots. Exactly. Uh, we, we're taking. We have, you know, we're taking Thanksgiving off. We figured. Yeah, oh, know, let's just. We're not monsters. We're not made of stone. Exactly. And, and we need uh, to take time uh, besides, off to eat to eat our Sporkies, Dave. How could we say no to a, a, a series with Crycheck in it? That is um, very extremely true. Yeah. Did did y'all notice that? Did you guys y'all notice, notice Alex Lee? Yeah, oh, with a mustache. The duplicitous agent Alex Krychek. Yeah, he's the judge. He's the judge in the in it's the ongoing funny. trial. You, you pointed that out to me, and I gone through the first episode like I didn't see Krychek in there. And then once you notice him, you're like, that is so obviously Krychek. Wow, mm-hmm. he really is a master of despise, disguise. <laughs> right. He really is like a <laughs> maybe he's a, a really sp- good spy. Maybe he's a better know? spy than we gave him credit for. Right. Oh, it's maybe just that's him it. with a mustache. It's just Krychek with a mustache. It's just Krychek with a silver fox mustache. That's it. Yeah. And like, Play I guess judge. I guess that works because like. He's terrible at he's a he's a terrible assassin, but I guess maybe his spy skills were never really in question. Do you think know. he was cast just because he's because it's like it's Crycheck? Like do you think I'm sure that didn't hurt. 
Yeah, if I were Mike Flanagan, I would cast Crychick all the time in things. I'm hoping he'll be a regular, like a regular in uh, Mike I mean, Flanagan he's got, stuff. He's uh, Annabeth Gish, who played Reyes on X Files, is already a regular, and they have a an X Files poster hanging up in one of the characters' rooms at Midnight Mass. So, oh yeah, I mean, he collects actors. He too, does. He does. Because... He's like Katamari Damacy of filmmakers. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and that only speaks to the fact that I I assume he's a like actors love him and they you seem can to sort yeah. of well you can sort of see why it's just like okay you're gonna play uh you're gonna be in this like cool gothic thing that everybody loves that also has a lot of heart also you're gonna get at least one monologue you're gonna get at least one fucking meaty ass monologue yeah and you're gonna play like a really interesting character yeah. like almost all of his Operatic. characters are fascinating yeah. yeah he doesn't have like yeah, just he he he's so good at that. He's so good at characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really is. Yeah, um, I don't I, know if people. Oh, go ahead. Oh, if people hadn't listened to our previous ones, they might know we love Mike F- Flanagan. We like, do. We, we love Mike Flanagan here. Uh, like we love Usher. We love Mike Flanagan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were you going to ask how I liked this series? I was. Yeah, because we haven't actually said that. Oh, I I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was I great. It was great. Um, yeah, it's not. It, it's not. I don't, I don't think it's my favorite, but um, I did really like the way it was written, uh, and yeah, I yeah. I love how mostly nasty it is, which is a big departure for Flanagan. It still has all of the heart that you'd expect, like it still like has the deep meditations, but like it's more simple. It's a more simplistic story than his previous series have been, and it's just about a, a bunch of shitty people getting their comeuppance. Yeah, so I haven't seen The Midnight Club. And again, that seems to be something people regard as um, not great. Less good? Again, I, haven't, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. it. I haven't, haven't seen, seen it. it. So saying that, the, the, thing, the thing with Mike Flanagan is they're all, they're all, and I know other people have more varying opinions. Um, I'm actually boring in this regard. They're all kind of A pluses for me. Mm-hmm. Like they all make me feel something and they're all so well done. Mike Flanagan just gets me. Yeah, he does. Um, and a lot of people. I uh, always clearly, talk yeah. about him as like, he's what I think James Wan is for other people, which is like, he's really good at just like solid, fu- like like haunted I house horror. Th- sort of. I get what you're saying, but I would classify... Uh, hmm. Oh, sorry. I mean, like visually, his stories are a lot more robust than James Wan. Oh, yeah, that's what I was. Like, I, I was. I was gonna call like I was trying to think of a clever like Walden books era analogy like. Uh, like James Wan would be the Goosebumps book, and then like yeah. the Mike Flanagan would be like the quote unquote adult book that you were really excited to read. Right, and it's nothing against James Wan. What I'm talking no, not at about all. is he just that... he goes more for fun. And yeah, ki- I'm talking and kinda, about he has different sensibilities, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm talking about like horror that's more like oh, we'll have a jump scare too in there. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not like, but we're not. Yeah, again, we're not made of stone. <laughs> we're yeah, gonna throw exactly. a cat in there. Um. And, and, and that isn't like Mike Flanagan. I, I, it's weird to say like he's not like middle of the road. He's making exceptional work. He is uh, in terms of writing. I'm just talking about his like directing style of mm-hmm. horror. Yeah. Although even that, like the fact that he's he slips in so many subliminal ideas, and this is he, he lets images breathe a, a yes. lot, which he does still do the jump scares, obviously. And apparently, the Midnight Club has a, a just insane amount of them. But right. uh, in this and in his previous ones, but in Usher, which we're talking about, it's he really lets scenes and images breathe. Um, yes, which is 
he's got a lot of modern horror sensibilities, but that's the biggest one that's like mostly at odds with modern yeah. horror. Um, Mod- modern popular say, horror, excuse me. Yeah, this is all to say that every one of his series, I'm not going to count his movies just because it gets too complicated, right, right, right. Um, are like A pluses for me. So this is one of my least favorite of his series. That means nothing because they're all great <laughs> right that's all that's all to say it's like they're all in the top notch right there's this one is like there's I'm less like go ahead i'm sorry no i'm i'm just like oh this i think it's what you're about to say there's less of an emotional component in this right on there's, purpose there's less meat on the bone not that there's none because yeah. what this ultimately becomes is I mean all of his series are about death. I mean at least the 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 grown up ones that we've seen. We haven't seen Midnight Club again, right? Um, but like Bly Manor, um, Hill House, and Midnight Mass, they're all about death uh, and yes. how how we face death, how we think about death, how we coexist with death. Um, so what this show does have is a pretty profound meditation on people's obsession with their own mortality and 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 trying to establish some sort of legacy and then of course the show plays with kind of what that means in in more simplistic ideas but i what i really loved about it and what was actually pretty poignant is how a lot of the characters think about i mean because it's poe and that that's that's intertwined perfectly with the works of Poe. We haven't mentioned that yet, but like yeah. the the show if if you're not familiar with the works of Edgar Allan Poe, the title is a, is a direct is a direct reference to an Edgar Allan Poe story, but the series as a whole incorporates elements and plot ele, uh, plot lines from a bunch of different Poe stories yeah. and poems. Um, the only so the House of Usher part, mm-hmm. the only thing is really the book ending. It's the burying alive. That's the element that's House of Usher, if I right. recall. Yeah, and that's someone it. coming back to attack someone while after being buried. It's alive. It's his sister. Yeah, it's the same thing. And mother, he's, mother and sister. Yeah, he's sitting there talking to him. Uh, anyway, yes, it's the, the narrator talking to a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the, the, the what I was getting to is the show's meditation on death is is really profound in in a lot of moments uh, the the best way to articulate it because i'm kind of having trouble wrapping my mind around the g- g- phrasing the idea that's in my mind but like yeah. the, the decision to cast uh death the character of death is played by carla gugino as a moral character like yeah. she's she's very very moral she still has to do her duty because it's death but the show really is about coming to terms with death meeting death on your term it's it's a it's a, it's a lot to do with coming to grips with their own mortality and recognizing that death is not necessarily death is frightening but it's not necessarily scary or evil or mean it's just right. it's, it's a thing it's it's, it's a natural malice. order yeah it's a part of the balance and she actually is this moral character which is an interesting decision to it's not just uh, it's not just a great performance because she's awesome in this as she is and everything but it's also an interesting decision to depict death that way in terms of the writing how she's written uh yeah it's really good it's like like you said it's like she has a job to do and she has a varying opinion on the people she has to do the job to um and it and it and you know but no matter what they have to die so and result like, is the same regardless of how she feels about them. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously spoilers. So like there's um the way they die like 
he he links the cruelty of the death though with um her opinion i did like which of course is a weird her um, estimation of them or her judgment of them and it's also like linked to they seem to be linked to their own cruelties or shortcomings in some way right right which of course is like it's a moral tale where it's like the world isn't actually like that right uh you could die a horrible death and be a good person um but that's how they're linking it here so like the pit and the pendulum one it's a character who is just terrible and she's like enjoying it like she's like you know you're getting what you're well he's coming to you it's it's funny it's henry thomas little elliot for me too elliot but uh, playing, I love that he got this role because he keeps he keeps Henry Thomas has been in a, a lot of the Mike Flanagan I think, stuff. I think and all the series, him, a couple of the movies, yeah, yeah. He usually gives them these characters that have like a, a, a amount of reverence, like a like you're a priest or you're you're the you're the flashback. They're very of the dead. fatherly or they're good. They're usually good. Yeah, characters so he's or like, heroic characters. He's like a little scumbag in this, and he's, he's completely such a different. fucking little douche in this. He's great, and then he go, and then he loses his mind. But but I so like he accidentally he's fucking out of his mind on coke and accidentally snorts uh, like an opiate that paralyzes him um, by mistake, and right. he's he is paralyzed as the pendulum swings and cuts him in half. Uh, and it's related to what he has done for the entire show is he's been doing kind of the same thing to his wife who was horribly injured in another one of the uh, uh, death accidents, the final destination accidents that sort of happen. Right. But uh, because she's not an usher, she lived. Um, I guess we'll have to explain that part of it. I mean, maybe, but like it's because yeah. he kept her paralyzed and was tormenting her. Like he pulls all of her teeth out. Uh, because he found out she was going to cheat on him or something. Yeah. Uh, Like with his brother. Um, It was a whole thing. But anyway. Apparently his character um, is based off the main character in a different post story. Metzen Gerstein. Oh, I I don't know that that one. Yeah. Apparently it has to do with a guy who's obsessed with a horse and, and like keeps riding it until it becomes his downfall. Like horse being, I assume, just... Like it's about a, a man who becomes obsessed, yeah, and that's what happens to him. He becomes yeah. addicted to cocaine and becomes obsessed with this whole thing. The with idea his that wife. his wife was unfaithful, yeah, and it's like so she she wasn't. She, she like she went to his younger brother's like weird sex party, but was like weird. Yeah, she had out a moment of weakness, and yeah. then she <laughs> feared back. Yeah, and like even if she wasn't un- was unfaithful, his reaction his is, reaction I would is, say, is an fucking, overreaction. Of course, he's a maniac. <laughs> he completely yeah. loses his mind. That's another element that I really liked about this series because it is, you know, it's a Mike Flanagan s- s- show. So, and we talked about all, we've talked a lot about the Mike Flanagan-ness of it all, but it's very much an Edgar Allan Poe show like it's it's really based heavily in his it's like melancholy themes although this 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 show is much more hopeful although it is very sad but it still has sort of like a positive like well death's a part of life like yeah the, the pursuit uh you, you'll end up ruining yourself in the pursuit of a legacy your legacy shouldn't be a monument you build to yourself it should be like your family and your children right. and like the, yeah. the, 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 the love that you share with people. That's like, it's like I said, it's very simple, but like yeah. the Poe aspect of it, um, there's a common, a repeated thing, a repeated idea in, in Poe stories is a slow 
revelation that the narrator that the narrator has been out of their fucking mind the entire time and you just didn't yes. you just didn't realize it and he he does that a few times with a few characters in this so fucking well it's, he does he, it's done so well that he does it more than once and i didn't notice it like the ultimate reveal that that uh Bruce Greenwood, who plays Roderick Usher, the main Usher, has been fucking brutally insane the whole time. <laughs> was such a good reveal, and it was handled so well. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> he's treated the whole show as almost this tragic figure, where you're like, ah, he was gonna be a good person, and then he just he had he stumbled, and then he fell into this life of badness, and then the reveal is, no, he was always gonna be a bad person. It's all he ever wanted to be. Right. And then it, he's just totally insane oh, yeah. and mummifies I mean, get, his sister you, at the end. You get that vibe a little bit only because they keep showing these flashbacks and you're like, I, they killed someone. Like they clearly killed someone. Well, you know, someone. you know, he killed someone. And if you're, if you're, from, oh yeah, but there yeah. is, yes, you're right. Okay. You're, yeah, you are right about this because they, I'm like, they killed someone and they, and I knew who they killed yeah. because it's very clear that they it's going to it, be the creep yeah. guy, but he's such a creep to his sister that I thought like, oh, did he like like throw himself on her and like he they accidentally killed him or you know like was it the thing where it was like self-defense um and then you learn how they killed him and you're like oh no (laughs) they just killed him in cold blood oh yeah it's um if you know poe it's another poe story it's a poe story it's a famous one it's a cask of amontillado so if right if you're like if you odd like a lot of people read this story in school so like odds are a lot of people caught this um, yeah, but it's it's related to like a thing that Flanagan does a lot, which is this is a, a criticism of mine. It's a very slight one, but he does this in pretty much every one of his shows that I've watched. Is he'll have some image that is that represents um, a dead person that's directly linked to the main character's guilt, and they will continue to see this person throughout the yeah. first half of the series. Yeah. He's done showed- that in every single show. <laughs> Yeah, when he saw the little gesture gesture yeah. at the beginning, I was like, well, that was weird and inappropriate because you start watching it. And then when you realize they came from a costume party, I'm like, oh, I know what costume the guy is wearing. Yeah. Like that, well, as soon yeah. as you see the gesture, you know, what the, if you're if you know yeah. the story, you know what the crime is like, oh, they bricked a motherfucker up in a wall. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a bit of yeah. like this isn't a cri- criticism, but it's why I think this is his more fun leaning one and not as. I don't, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say uh, it's not as meaningful. No, it's, and I it's, think part it, of it is it's because more popcorn, this is for sure. Sorry. Yeah, this is who framed Roger Rabbit, but with Poe, meaning that like I'm looking it all up. Like, yeah. Like Arthur, uh, Arthur Pym, Hank, yeah. uh, Hank, Mark Hamill's character is his entire backstory is another Arthur Poe Gordon story. Pym. Yeah. Yeah, all the all all of the characters are based. They're all named after Poe, and they're they're all their backstories are Poe stories. So that's all to say that like Flanagan is doing a really good job weaving these ideas together, but he is locked into the ideas. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like they still have to have these elements, and so it does create a thing where you're like, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like parse out like what. What does it all mean? What does this mean? Why is Pim like this? And then you realize like, oh, because it's the story. That's it. It's because it's in the story. Mm-hmm. And so like there's a lot less he has less control over the narrative because his his 
idea is to adapt everything that's Poe into this one thing. And that's not really a critique. It's just why he, I think, is more limited in when he wrote this and why it's just more, we're having fun. You know? I think that's we're part of doing... it. I think that's part of it. I think the bigger thing is that the cast is almost entirely villains yeah none of them are likable you realize uh, wait like you realize like oh i'm rooting for death um oh, yeah. i didn't mind that because it felt to me like a slasher right like, and it, that's it's it's, it's much more like, like a slasher where like every episode you know someone's gonna die it's also uh, kind of a meta reference right because like hamer and vincent price and shit did a lot of those old edgar Allan poe like schlock horror films and this is this feels a little hammerish right it feels a little schlocky with some of the it is how over the top the violence uh is and like the decadence like there's a lot of nudity in this which isn't normally a thing in, in flanagan stuff um he'll have some yeah he'll have but, some but, but not as much as in the, this this is the most r-rated i think he's been in his shows it's kind of his his biggest strength as a horror director and this is very rare I think for horror directors specifically. And what I'm getting at is like is Sam Raimi. Restraint? What? I was going to say, is it his restraint? No, no. It's uh, so you, you watch a Sam Raimi film mm-hmm. and you know, it's a Sam Raimi film, right? Yeah. Even like the gift feels like a Sam Raimi film, even though it's not about demons, it's like a haunting. And even the haunting is over the top Sam Raimi style shots. Mike Flanagan is very good at like matching the tone of the writing. I think there's still this, there's still an element of like, you know, you're watching a Mike Flanagan film. If they have a long monologue, the way it's shot, so and so forth. But what we're talking about is like the, like the uh, level of gore, um, how silly, how over the top it is. You watch Ouija and you're like, this feels like he got the assignment, you know, Ouija two. He's like, make like a PG 13 ish horror. That's still scary, but doesn't, dials it back you know what i mean like he Mm -hmm. always kind of like hush it's like make a slasher that's more of like a tension home invasion exactly that's what it feels like and so it's like you know hush shouldn't have like over the top gore like it's it's about this yeah he's not afraid of restraint he's not afraid of restraint he's not afraid of sort of kind of being a chameleon a little bit right you know dr sleep feels like yeah this is what the shining sequel would be you know yeah yeah it's less visually identifiable not in a bad way at all yeah and he knew i think he knew like right away like we're not rooting for anyone in this this movie we're or show we're rooting for like a couple side characters yeah Um, and and he does a good job with that yeah for sure i think like mark hamill has an one of my favorite scenes with death when she sits him down and mark hamill plays this guy that we already mentioned arthur gordon pym who's basically been the fixer for the usher family for his whole life and he has a mysterious backstory where he did this worldwide globetrotting expedition but other than that we really don't know anything about him except he's the most terrifying man who's ever lived pretty much yeah exactly and he has this wonderful scene with death where he shows up because they think she's just some run-of-the-mill murderer um so he shows up to kill her and is wrapping her body up and then of course she's not dead because she's eternal and they she sits him down and they have this conversation where she like is like yeah i i I know you i came up and watched your expedition and and you 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 saw me out there on the ice didn't you and he's got he's like so haunted but also yeah like he but also like entranced by her it's it's both he's haunted and also like in in reverence of her 
Yeah, uh, because he's a man he's, who's been around a lot of death. He, he's lived know? in service of death his whole life. Yeah. Um, and she offers him a deal, uh, which we should uh, real quick. The whole point of the story is she shows up after the Roderick and Madeline Usher, the two primary ushers, murder a guy to take over the company. Um, and she's like, I'll make you a deal. Um, I will guarantee it that you have unlimited success and will never be found guilty or arrested for any crime that you commit for your entire lives. However, uh, you and your entire bloodline will die at the moment uh, when you were n- normally naturally going to die. And they take the deal. She more yes. or less... She's, oh, she's the wishmaster. She's a wishmaster, yeah. Yeah, it's funny that death master. is also like, I dabble as wishmaster as well. Well, That's it makes, like my it side makes gig. sense when... As the, uh, the the show plays out, but also like death coming up to make a wager or a bargain. It's a pretty familiar story oh, across centuries just, of, of folklore and literature and powers. stuff. Because I'm like, how does death, how can she make it so that they don't get arrested? Because like, can all death do is kill? It's just funny that like, you're right, that death, this is a common trope for death. Mm-hmm. But that trope is always funny to me that it's like death is death. Also a genie. And it's like, that seems like a hat on a hat. Like too many jobs for death. <laughs> Just she got genie death. powers. But yeah. yeah, she offers him kind of a similar deal where she's like, they're going to go, listen, they're going down. They're all going to die eventually. And everybody at Fortunato, the company that they work at, which is another <laughs> reference to yeah. the Casco Amontillado. Uh, she's like, everything in that company's going down and you're going to get pretty much hung out to dry probably. So uh, I can offer you the same deal where you will skate by, but uh, you're going to have to give me something in return. And he has this, he's almost like in tears where he, he turns down her offer and he's like, I can't, he's like, I've, I've lived almost 80 years uh, without anyone having any leverage over me as I refuse to be leveraged. Yeah, uh, He's also like, he's ma- like, that's a better deal for a young person, you yeah. know? Because old people are like, eh. But <laughs> it's also, a, it's he, he kind of he ends the his rejection by essentially saying, "I'll I'll take you. I appreciate your your generous offer. Uh, thank you so much for speaking to me. Like it it clearly means a lot to him to be able to just yeah. speak with her. But he's like, I I'll take my chances. And she kind of like great. respects him for it. And it's like yeah. a weirdly kind of great scene. It's one of my favorite scenes. Well, I think it's because it's weird because the 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 uh, Pym character is is you know he he's he's objectively a bad person. He's a bad person, but, but he's there's nothing to him. He's empty. Exactly, he's like an animal. Yeah, he has no like personality has, really. Right, and there's this element of like it's sort of like I know you haven't watched much Succession. Um, there's an element in that movie in that show where you slowly, as you see the other people of the family brian cox becomes like the only person you have a little bit of respect for and it's not because he's a good guy he's a horrible guy it's just that he understands people and he's good at his job (laughs) and like that's what pym is where it's like he's terrible but he seems to have like not morals but rules and he goes by his rules and you're like oh okay like (laughs) yeah you know where you stand with him yeah it's another it's like tony soprano is another character like that where you slowly realize like okay you like you just have to follow his rules um and and so like you he ends up being like not a a character you like but a character that you just 
it's like he's somehow you, less despicable. You have a weird in, amount of respect for him, if for no other reason than he turns down Death's offer. Meanwhile, yeah. Roderick, we see, we eventually see it's another component of the slow revelation that our main character, Roderick, is actually a, a piece of shit who's also out of his mind. It, it, we, we see that he accepts Death's offer almost instantly, barely without thinking about exactly. it. Exactly. He's like, yeah, fuck the kids. Yeah, yeah so this is, this is a big element of... I think what this story is about, um, and it feels very Mike Flanagan to do. And it also involves powerful men, and yeah, for sure. Well, it's about trading the future for immediate gains. Yeah, right. It's about how the fact that an entire generation made a deal similar to this with death, which is basically you're going to trade in the lives of future generations for money now. Uh, that is what we're dealing with Unlimited the fallout limited money now yeah i mean the usher family is pretty transparently uh, the whatever it's the family behind um oxy um, yeah they're Percocet. a pharmaceutical company they have the scene where it's raining bodies where death is like i can barely compete with you you know like yeah this is this is your legacy yeah yeah that's pretty um, dope scene with all the bodies oh, yeah. raining down i I think it would have been too on the nose if they were like an oil company, but that I think is the feeling, right? I mean, pharmaceuticals is another good example of that is they wanted money now it's just as and in exchange and tons just of as, people dying. Just as insidious. And I think it matched more with first, I mean, not I, I, first, I just would, I, of course, yeah, absolutely. This is completely uh, applicable as a climate change uh Fucking As a lo- it's a lot of things. It's a lot of yeah. things. It, it just seems like I I feel like he maybe chose pharmaceuticals um, because obviously both are extremely topical and relevant. But one of them is more is about causing more direct harm to human beings, which I think yeah. feeds his the theme of his story. I would also better. argue that, and I don't know if this is why he did it, but pharmaceuticals pharmaceuticals is for some reason less political. Meaning that, like, everybody kind of is like, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> like, no one is going to bet. Like, I'm sure they're lobbying some senators, but, like, the general public, like, there's no, like, general public who are like, no, actually, what they did is good. Like, it, that doesn't seem like a a political thing. Speaking of which, there was only one line that I hated in this. Can you guess which? No. It was the Trump reference. Oh, in this in that scene that I was just describing, yep. that that was a big eye roll for me, and that's I'll tell pretty, you why. Because that's pretty sweaty, yeah. So death, they do. She's basically the genie in the X Files. Do you remember the X Files genie episode where you realize Dave, that the do genie I remember is, the genie yeah. episode? Uh, that was I a meant, question for them. That was the, a question for them. Yeah. Mulder meets a genie. Don't don't ask God, me questions. Boy, does and, he. And they do this thing where they see, they notice, they look at old pictures and realize like, oh, there she is with Nixon. There she is with Hitler. It's the idea of like everybody who she crosses path with, with, with gets like a tremendous power and then a downfall. Yeah. And, and so that's sort of the idea of this death character too. And she, they show her in like old pictures of historical people. And then they, and then she mentions like my last client, I said, you could shoot someone on fucking fifth Avenue and get away with it or whatever the quote was. And that made me go boo for a couple reasons. One, it's like, I know the political, he wanted to like get a little nudge, nudge, like, uh, Trump, get it. But also like, I don't think Trump's that powerful. That's kind of the problem is like, 
they're they're mythologizing Trump by doing that. Powerful. If you remember the terms of her deal is that he would they would never be found guilty for any of their crimes. And Trump's most famous nickname is Teflon Don. Yes, I know. I know that. I know why he did it. I just didn't think like one. It's like we're still in. It's, this. We're still in this. Yeah. It's don't. If she I, mentioned I groaned Nixon, as like, well. I groaned as right, well. Right. If she mentioned like Nixon or someone who famously like OJ, I guess I don't know someone who famously got away with something um, that is in the past. It would have been better. Trump. It's like well, we're still in the middle of it, and it feels like it's just like come on, man. We'll see. Right. Let's yeah, have we'll some see. hope. And also, it like the idea of Trump having like a deal with death is just like i don't he's not that special he's not special enough for that in my head yeah. like it's it's that it's, also yeah for sure i get the I, idea I, I, I groaned at that for sure yeah i, I get I, the idea that roderick is not special either right but it was weird because he's bruce greenwood and i'm like trump isn't bruce greenwood <laughs> to no, me. not by a fucking mile <laughs> yeah um he's yeah. not like he's not devious enough to brick someone up like he's not that kind of evil so like to throw him into it like he's more of the dumb ignorant type of evil for sure and if bruce greenwood was depicted that way and he i mean he i know he's kind of that but they make him a lot more devious you know they kind of it's that thing where like when a serial killer is depicted as hannibal lecter when you're like no they're usually dummies Mm -hmm. it's sort of like this version of evil rich guy i think is sort of a mythology of how evil rich guys actually are you know um no for sure i yeah i think the connection was more about in the past people who sacrificed uh many uh, it was about people who were uh, undone by their own ambition was the connection there really so it's like i don't know if oj would have been the right connection to no me. oj wouldn't have been the right connection at all but, like, but you know what i mean where yeah. it's like the trump it felt like a thanos oh, you, yeah, you know you, like i i was i was like the old picture stuff i was with it because i understood like oh that's what that's what he's going it's less like she's been in the ear of every evil person and it was more these are all people who were fucking victims to their own ambition and also victimize the rest of the world for their own ambition. Uh, So I was fine with it with all that. But yeah, the Trump line, I was like, we could have cut this. It's yeah, we didn't need it. We didn't need it. It it felt really out of place in the story. It was just like, it did because the story also feels both a a little out of time and out of time. Yes. It's a little timeless. Yeah. I think it's just because it's all like kind of fictional, um, this fictional family, like pharmaceuticals are not out of time, you know, no. and they're using like modern phones and stuff like that. But it, it um, right. And the flashbacks are clearly like the seventies yeah. or the eighties or rather. But Flanagan in general always feels out of time. Um, a, a little bit because he goes for these big opera, like we were saying, these operatic kind of emotional yes. sort of ideas that are more time that are tend to be timeless because they're the way so, people yeah yeah the way people talk is a lot more out of time like their their points of references stuff like that like the type of right that i think that's story. what it is because he gothic horror you know he normally it's, avoids like real pop culture references like real loud ones right which doesn't mean there isn't any right it just um, it's, it's just why like the trump thing stuck like like when um um Leo the 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 um 
the the black cat storyline when he when he's smashing his walls with the Thor hammers. Like I'll just have Hemsworth send me another one. That right. was fine. Like that landed with because like the scene was kind of like dementedly humorous. Like right. so it, it worked there. It's the Trump line in the middle of the scene between Pym and Death just felt I don't know. Yeah, felt real There's glaring. A- yes. There's a meta aspect I realized to why I enjoyed this because part of it is also like they're all Flanagan actors who normally don't play pieces of shit and they're all playing pieces of shit. Yep. And that was fun as hell mm-hmm. um, to watch because you know they enjoyed it too. Because like, yeah, that actor, he was the sheriff in fucking um, Midnight Mass. Yes. He was um, in Blind Manor and he's fucking terrific and it was so great to watch him play just like such a oh, piece man. of shit. Oh Ra- man, Raul Coley. My name was, my mind was blanking on his name. Oh yeah, I'm terrible with names. <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that you, yeah, you see the title of each episode. And if you know any Poe, you're like, oh, I know how this is going to end for them or at the ballpark, which of course, Rue Morgue, when you hear that, you're like, hell yes. Well, it's, it's yeah. funny watching the first episode. It took me like three quarters of it because they reveal that one of the ushers is doing clinical trials of this artificial heart pump. Yeah. And they're, they're testing them on chimpanzees. So I'm just kind of watching. And it didn't, I didn't click until they revealed that the, the, the hospital's nickname is Rumor. I'm like, Rumor. oh, they dangled the monkey right in front of me. Oh, shit. Yeah. They're doing the monkey. And they do it as the third episode. And I was like, that's how you do it. They that. get it out you of the way real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that, so for that, in that, in that theme, what was your favorite, like, episode adaptation? So the episodes are, a, the there's a bookend one, which is a midnight drawer in, Ra- in the Raven. In the so Raven, that's yeah. the big one, the heavy hitter. Um, there's the Red Death, um, Rue Morgue, Black Cat, Telltale Heart, Goldbug, Pit and the Pendulum. Um, Man. It's hard because you can judge it by a few things. Like Pit and the Pendulum, I thought was the weirdly, like, I. this isn't, this doesn't mean I didn't like it, but I thought it was the loosest adaptation. Because if you remember the Pendulum in that, story if i recall isn't that it's how it begins but the person doesn't actually die from the pendulum in no, they that get, story. It gets out yeah they get out and they go in the pit um well they're in the, they're in the pit oh they're in the pit but they don't they get the like pe- don't, the pendulum doesn't they, like up, walls crush them they I get like crushed i can't remember i i remember the story begins with them at the bottom of the pit and they can slowly kind of see the pendulum descending into view yeah um, but I don't think they actually get got by the, the pendulum. And in this, he had to think of a really sweaty way to create a pendulum. Um, I didn't think it was terrible though. I like, I think that's the episode that begins with the cat clock sw- and that tail swinging. And you're just like, Oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of pendulum visuals. There are um, throughout. I don't remember Goldbug enough. Um, Goldbug is with, um, Tammy Tamerlane, um, who is Samantha Sloyan, I think is, is the actress's name. Right. I don't remember um, the original. I mean the the story. Oh, Goldbug! I have no idea. Uh, yeah. This she is launching her own Goop style uh, product line, which she has a meltdown during the the launch, which is incredible. She throws the mic stand at her stepmother, slams her in the head. Who is younger hilarious. than? I loved the stepmom. She's, <laughs> she's great. <laughs> she's just this Irish. Actress? I'm not sure. I've not seen her in it. I think she's in Midnight Club, but she's a uh, Irish, and she's like younger than any of the kids so she's already feels like out of place and they're all really shitty to her and she's just trying to be nice so like yeah. the, 
at the scene where she death is like taunting Tammy as she's on stage. So she throws her microphone stand at who she thinks is Carla Gugino and it just hits this lady right in the face. It's so good. It's, it's just like it does it may not sound as funny, but when it happens, it's just like the 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 most recent injustice. Like it's oh, here's another humiliation you guys have visited upon her. Juno is the character's name, I think. Right. Here's Juno, another Ash, here's yeah. another humiliation for Juno. And she's yeah. just trying to be pleasant to people. Right. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Sorry, I just looked her up. That's amazing. She she got her start in the during the COVID. Per, she was a barber. She lost her job at, in the pandemic and made and be, just became a TikTok star making um, like comedic videos. Oh, good and for her. And then just got discovered. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> um, I didn't think that was actually possible. Good for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, the telltale heart, I liked, I, I, I liked that. I liked, um, the I, weird I really liked heart it. mesh thing. Yeah. And how that was the other one where the reveal is that the protagonist or the character you've been following is cracked. Um, we already she's sort of so sus- good. She's right. That actress is fucking yes, amazing. I don't remember her name. I know she's in, um, Bly Manor. Um, she was and the, she's great in yeah, that. Yeah, where she's like dead the whole time. I'm sorry to spoil it. Spoiler. I don't think I don't think she's in Midnight Mass, but um, I don't know. But we're going to see more and more of her. Yeah, yeah. And she's great. In this. And, yeah, and so, I, so the, I liked the, that the, take. Yeah, the 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 take on it was pretty cool. Uh, they do the you do the story. She's here in the heartbeat the whole time. Um, right it's the person and they've killed they, in this they do a version of the you kind of know like i don't know about you but i knew the moment they cut away after she throws the thing i'm like oh she killed her oh yeah and then and then you hear the clicking and you're like oh that's the, it's it's the telltale heart but again yeah. this this show isn't trying to surprise i don't think no. for me the satisfaction was like ooh, that's a really like how am it i was, gonna adapt this it, right Let's it was more it. seeing how they would integrate things because he's not if you're familiar like i said if you know anything well, i don't want to i don't want to say it in a condescending way but like if you're if you've read the casco amontillado which is one of his most famous stories you immediately like he tells you immediately what the the usher's crime was and he doesn't really right. doesn't like officially reveal it all the way until the last episode so i think it's less about he's never really been about uh, uh, mystery boxes or, or yeah. things it's more about like it's part of what i love about him is that he so you re- like additional context will be will be revealed most of the time but anyway yeah. it's yeah. flanagan so here's the thing what i what a huge thing about flanagan huge thing i love about him as a writer is um we the mystery box was one of the worst things to happen yes. because it used to be that plot twists weren't things that movies kept going like, did you guess the plot twist yet? What's the plot twist? What's it going to be? Like when you watch Fight Club. The whole spoilers, the reason it's called a twist is because you don't see it coming. Exactly. So like, I'm not going to name any of his series, but he has plot twists sometimes. And usually he at least has something unexpected happen. And you don't see it coming because he doesn't spend the whole time going like, what's in, what's that? What's that going to be? What's this thing? He will have like, like what's in this room. Like there's literally a mystery box in um, the haunting of Hill house, but it's not like he doesn't, he's not loud about it and it doesn't like encompass the entire thing, you know? And he, and the answer is satisfying. Right. It's just another thread in the storyline to follow. 
Yeah, but the, he's the just biggest, such a good writer. That the biggest like, ones are like just the thread of the story. Right. It's not that he. It's not that he doesn't have twists and it doesn't have mystery boxes. Of course, it's that he doesn't yeah. rest everything on exactly. those narrative yes. devices. Yeah. Like he ob- doesn't. Obviously, there's a. The obviously Hill House builds towards what happened that night when the family all got out of the house, and we don't see that till the last episode. But like, there's yeah, so yeah, okay. much. There's so much else going on too. Here's, here's what I yeah here's how I'd put it is he I you could define it as that he doesn't have mystery boxes because what a mystery box is by right. the inventor J.J. Abrams is based off a literal box that you could get at a magic store that was a mystery box he as a kid you could get this you could go to this magic store and buy this box and the box basically you'd pay fifteen dollars and you'd get whatever's in the box and he talked about how what was so cool to him about the mystery box was that it wasn't about what's in the box. It was about wondering what it was going to be. The anticipation to him was magical. Um, The New York times later did a investigation and found the magic store and found that the mystery box that the magic store was using was actually their way of pawning off shitty items. Yeah. That weren't selling. That weren't selling. It's a grab bag box. A lot of stores do them. It's the perfect extension of the metaphor because that's essentially what the mystery box became for people like abrams and other people is like they didn't have a good answer so they put it in the mystery box and then it was like yeah but it's the anticipation and then they wouldn't most of the time they wouldn't actually even answer the question right right? The, the, the 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 derogatory mystery box term is is anticipation without payoff Right. So Mike Flanagan doesn't do mystery box. He just does mystery. He does mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Anticipation. We want to see what's going to happen. We know we're going to see it because the story is building towards it. Exactly. And then he answers it in a satisfying way. And he reveals it. (laughs) He releases the tension in the final episode. Yeah. Um, I forget what brought us to this. We were talking about the episodes. Oh, yeah. yeah, The Black Cat. The most relatable one. Yeah, and actually, I think Leo Raul Coley is the most likable of the ushers, outside of Lenore, yeah. the granddaughter, yeah. who is purely good. Yeah, uh, but on purpose. Black Hat wasn't necessarily my favorite, but it was the most relatable because it's like, yeah. uh, yes, someday I will die chasing my black cat around yes. my apartment. That yes, just feels like what's going to happen. Yeah, it's destiny. Yeah, um, but that was fun. I love that the cat had to be CGI in a lot of shots because it's. Like, just getting a cat to walk on screen is a problem. And so it's just funny when the cat's CGI. I'm like, I know why that's CGI. I, I imagine they, it's probably just easier. I mean, yeah, we, love, they we, love, don't, they, we love CGI animals here. I, we do, because it's better on the it's animal. But for also, animal. Yeah. for a cat, I'm imagining him being like, so I want the cat to walk on his body and get into hit this mark. Can he d- do that? And the trainer being like, yeah, do you have like three days? And it's like, no, we don't. And it's like, all right. Because, like, I think using a cat is just, like, being, like, just waiting for something to naturally happen, basically. Essentially, yeah. Um, It's like trying to train a spider. Yeah. Rue Morgue was a lot of fun. The fucking part where she's, like, gets on the table like a monkey is just like, ah, she's a monkey. Um, (laughs) I, I get it because he's doing this for all of it, but I really wanted that monkey to have a straight razor. I don't care if they had to like sweatily at it. Um, Should have had a razor. Yeah. But this was an example Give where that death monkey is like, a knife. Right. 
I love that even death for this because this is um fuck I forgot this actress's name. She's married to Flanagan. Oh, it's she's terrific. Uh, Kate Siegel. Yeah. Um. I I love that even death is like you know you can turn back. This is gonna be real messed up for you. <laughs> like like death is just like this. You don't you don't deserve this. She All does right. she does that to a few people. Like she does it to Prospero in the yeah. Um, red death one where he's gonna like we're gonna have a fuck party and we're gonna use all these old sprinklers to dump old water on us so that we can all be wet for the sex party and she like is like you know you can he's really doing it to like try to to fuck henry thomas's wife just because he he hates him um because henry thomas treats him like shit so uh, death does like you you could stop you could stop at any time just you could just go home and uh, maybe just lay down peacefully in your sleep yeah exactly but all right yeah death is just like because that's the thing that character is kind of it's like he's too young to be for completely evil you know what i mean right like he's he's conceited and self-absorbed but he's a 22 year old millionaire like exactly and, and he just like he's we learned that like Roderick was just having kids left and right because he didn't give a fig about the death bargain of like your entire bloodline right. died. He's Wild like, fucking detail, yeah. Yeah, and then meanwhile his sister, who the entire movie is presented as this stone cold fucking just chop scary, your head yeah. off if you cross. Like she's like the real mastermind behind the ushers. It's just because she's a woman, she wasn't able to actually run the company, so she had to have her brother do it. So they're like a, a brother and sister team. Um, but she's always been the the more ferocious one. So it's when the reveal is that Roderick took the deal instantly and she was uncertain about it. And then we learn that Roderick didn't bother not having kids. She immediately did, got a, like an IUD, she says, and never had children. <laughs> like, yeah, she knew. Yeah, she knew. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a great detail. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rue Morgue was fun, but. I wanted that monkey to have a razor. Um, I think my two favorite is Red, Red Death because Red Death I, is I don't know gnarly. about you. I, I saw that one come in a mile away because they they keep doing shots showing the sprinklers. And I was like, those sprinklers are going to fucking kill him. Um, well, also, I think, um, Roderick, you hear him mention that the sprinkles, sprinklers are full right. of chemicals. Again, I think part of the fun was he wanted the audience to be a little bit ahead of the characters. You're supposed to have dramatic irony because we get to see a lot of these from Death's perspective, literally. That's that's what it is. Is I think Death is the protagonist who are watching the 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 show. Essentially, her or Augie, uh, the the detective, yeah, the 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 insurance the insurance detective, essentially. I think right. he he starts out as an insurance Gritty detective. Insurance detective, yeah. Well, he starts out working as an insurance claims investigator, and he teams up with Roderick to like try to take down because he thinks they're going to take down the company, but Roderick screws him over. Yeah, that's um, great because you you can tell like he really fucking hates this guy because he's an evil um, guy. And then you, yeah, and then you learn why, and you're like, oh <laughs> right. yeah, you get to like you. Yeah, first you just feel like maybe this guy's yeah, like just like a little prickly because Roderick burned him so many years ago, and it. For most of the series, you kind of are fooled into thinking of Roderick as almost a roguish character. It's like, well, right. yeah, he's done he's done evil things, but you get the sense that he is deep down a good man and he lost his way and maybe he could find his way back there and all this other stuff. But then like his, you know, the the cost he paid for having kids is the same as 
when when we learn at the end where he tells Augie, he says, "You want to you want to know the actual ultimate confession or the ultimate secret is that I always knew that." Uh, we weren't helping people with our our drugs. I always knew that my legacy and my billions was being built atop a a stack of corpses that reaches to the heavens, and I don't right. care. <laughs> so, but anyway, so yeah, I think it would be either her or Augie, who's the the detective that we're sort of following, for sure. That he's that um, he's speaking to in the bookend episode. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. I like that he does a couple of times where like the story stops and he's like, are you going to get fucking get to anything here? Because right. it is like, I mean, that's a lot of Mike Flanagan, which is like the, the narrative devices. Let's all listen to this person tell a story for like seven hours. Um, and that's just funny for me. Uh, the one, though, that I thought they they did because I was like, how are they going to do this is fucking the Raven. I really enjoyed how he did the Raven because you right away, the the granddaughter's name Lenore and you're like, well, I know where this is going. Um, And yeah, and and it's one of those, again, it was one of those things where she's so young and she's such such a good person that you're like, well, surely she'll be, nope, she will not be spared. No, (laughs) the the terms of the deal were clear. I was watching with Hannah and Hannah was like, I wonder if Lenore will get spared. And I was like, I don't, it's the Raven. Like, the whole point of the Raven is an innocent person is dead. As far as we know, we don't really know if You don't know innocent. anything about her. But it's, it's just about he, lamenting he lo- the death. He loved her very um, much, and now she's gone. Yeah. So I was like, oh, she's dead meat. Um, and I loved the concept of, like... Because in the Raven, it's, like, implied that it's probably his wife. And doing Granddaughter was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Um, and doing, like... It's so different than the others because it's about grief as opposed to being about like it's a it's there's a there's a creepy element to the raven but it's mostly about it's about grief, grief. and the it's it's the terror of of what it brings uh, like the, fi- the your terror of the finality that it that it, it that it is is sort of so it's it's less about like some of the other stories like Casco Montiato or well less less that one but like uh, Telltale Heart which is about guilt and like you, like we were saying, so many of the other episodes had been about the guilt. And then in this one, it's, no, it's his, well, it still is guilt in a way. Because he knows he's the one that got Lenore killed. Right. Um, so um, yeah, it still is guilt. But there's the, the grief is mixed in there too, which is absent from most of the other ones. Yeah, it is. And then I liked how they... The the like the raven is kind of throughout, and the raven represents death, right? She like well, her, death yeah. is sort of the raven. She gives her name as Verna, which is a you know an, anagra- oh, an yeah. anagram, a raven. <laughs> You're right, but then also they do the app idea, which is that Lenore's like consciousness has been uploaded to this AI, mm-hmm. and the AI kind of also represents because is isn't the AI saying nevermore? The AI is right? endlessly repeating nevermore to him. It's texting yeah. him. Yeah, which is perfect because the Raven and the AI like this mindless thing just repeating the same thing, and like that. It, I, again, it's it. It wasn't surprising, but at the beginning, he keeps getting the dings from his granddaughter, um, and it's a. It was just like a good little setup, is that he just keeps getting this text saying "never more" yeah. over and over again. That's driving him nuts. Um, just like a real creative and neat interpretation of the Raven. Like I think, I really like that he he knew that he had to go kind of out there with the interpretations. Um, and he tried to do it in a very fun way. That was a lot of the fun of watching the show was, uh, seeing how he was going to do it. 
yeah how was he gonna do it and how creative and weird can he get and he knew he had to like he couldn't do it one-to-one he couldn't try to get everything there um but i felt like he got the vibe of every single one yeah the the one i still think the pit and the pendulum i think that was the hardest one because i think i still i still liked it yeah but i always thought the vibe of pit and the pendulum was kind of more about this long you're trapped in this horrible like they don't really he doesn't really have time to do all that you know he just sort of it is it is it is it is more about a drawn out torture like you could argue that what's happening to his or, wife yeah. is part of that. It, it, for sure. It's, that's definitely part of the story. Like yeah. she, she's experiencing more of what the character in that story is experiencing. Yeah, I think so. Like that's or she's, she's paralyzed and being tormented by a madman, which is what is happening to the character in the, in the story. Right. Yeah. So I guess it does work after all. It works fine. I did like seeing, cause they had the repeated motifs, like you said, of the swinging, pendulums like the kitty cat tail and then also just the the pendulum on the grandfather clock and then right. the swinging wrecking ball so you're like where is it gonna fucking come from yeah. <laughs> it's like final destination yeah i know it's gonna come from somewhere i can't even imagine how a fucking pendulum is gonna get into this and then you see how it happens you're like all right yeah fair play yeah <laughs> It is very Final Destination where it's like the pendulum felt sweaty, but it's also death is doing this on purpose the way they would in Final Destination. So Mm -hmm. it's like no death can be too sweaty because death is specifically setting these freak accidents up. Mm -hmm. She she goes on the radio using Henry Thomas's voice like fucking Predator. Right. Or the Terminator. It's very funny because like there's a few that's like like with um, with the the fucking acid it's like that she didn't have to really do much there <laughs> she didn't she like like she, like there's there's certain levels of involvement that's funny where it's like i guess you could say maybe that she was setting this thing in motion way earlier in since, advance. The, since the deal was inked probably yeah that's true um although man. well you never know but like, because she still the whole, takes the characters yeah. having to do the stuff yeah. it's like she has to shove it in the right direction a little bit to a certain extents like the fucking sure. gold bug it's just like she's just like committing the murder like death is just doing the murder in that one it seems feels like more or less yeah so death and then has the, to make it look a little bit like an accident but black, black it cat too it was essentially the same thing he she she baits her using her reflection in a mirror and then in the black cat she baits him using the, the cat it would be so funny if one of them just keeps avoiding it, so she just walks up and shoots her. I mean, She's that's like, right, kind it. of what she does to Lenore. Yeah, you're just right. Boop. You're right. Well, yeah, I think the idea with Lenore is, yeah, Lenore is the only one in the family who maybe she'd be an asshole someday but she's not an asshole now she's young and so she basically sits down with her and she's like listen i'm not happy about this either but uh and it's another one you're of gonna my have to die f- another one of my favorite scenes so she's like so good so let me tell you a story and then she tells her basically all of the good things that her mom goes on to do and all of her mom starts a foundation in her name and and all of the people that she ends up helping snowballs into hundreds then thousands then millions and then they can't even count and then she's yeah. she ties it all back to it. and then you did that you did that when you saved your mom from your dad you broke in there and you got your mom to the hospital so you saved all these people and i wanted you to know that and then she kills yep. her she does the touch anyway death. enjoy yep. hell yeah. just sends her straight enjoy to nothingness yeah <laughs> riding um, motorcycles with meatloaf across a lake of fire 
Yeah. I like how, because that's one of the interesting things. Mike Flanagan has two versions of how he talks about death. He talks about death from one side of it and the other, meaning that um, he, he does once about ghosts about like his ideas of what it means to be dead. And they're almost like sci-fi like house of us or not house of Usher. That's the one we're reviewing. Um, uh, Bly Manor is feels like a sci-fi premise of how death works of like slowly losing your identity being locked in these patterns it's sort of reminds me of the shining where the shining's about how it's like people stuck in these memories you know Mm -hmm. they're not even ghosts they're echoes of an event and i love that idea that death is like this more of a sci-fi or like um an abstract concept so he loves playing with those ideas right and then like you watch haunting of hill house it's way more traditional it's just like yeah you're just a ghost yes you're just a ghost um and so he does all these variations and then midnight mass is about our fear of death and how religion plays into it you know Mm -hmm. wanting to sort of tell ourselves these stories that it's all going to be okay and how do we face death and this is more on that line where it's like he's not saying like this is what happens after death like that's a different system this is just death the concept of death and like death is treated kind of sad here because it feels like even death doesn't know what happens. That's like the impression you get from death is like, she's not in charge of that. She's just in charge of ending lives. It seems not what happens afterwards. It seems right. And it seems she implies that, um, well, it doesn't seem she implies that this, so it seems that this is the case is what I meant to say that, uh, their lives could have gone one of two directions. Like they could have broke good or broke bad. Cause she does mention yes. a few times in the other life. You were this, like she says to Henry Thomas, she says in the other right. life, you were a dentist. Right. And I'm sure some of them didn't even exist Probably. Um, because yeah, the idea is like if he had not made the deal they yeah, they would have, they would have been completely different people. And mm-hmm. yeah, like, yeah, Henry Thomas is of course the one that's was alive when he made the deal. So right, he had already good... had uh, Tammy and right. Frederick. I think is his so name. She, yeah. yeah, she seems to have a knowledge of yeah time and like like she lords over the 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 world of the mortals basically. But like her, the way she talks, like how sad she is about killing that girl, implies like maybe she's not sure <laughs> what happens after this. Um, which is interesting to me or she knows it's nothingness or, you know, like, I just really like that idea. I like the idea of death sort of not seeming like they know what death really means to people. He never, he, as much as his, yeah, as much as his works are sort of preoccupied with death and, and all the different myriad ways in which we, we deal with it and and face it and and coexist with it. uh, He never, suggests or takes away from the preciousness of life. So right. like, I, it, I think he's yeah. erring on the side of not, I don't know. I, 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 maybe, that was, maybe that was the wrong thought. Of, I just well, did an observation. It's part, of, it's part of what Gothic horror is, which is really yes. interesting is that horror is about fear of death. For, ultimately, like, you know, obviously it's about fear of other things, but it's about fear. Yeah. And death is, of course, death the thing is we the, keep going the back root to. of most fears. If you if you exactly. dial it all back, yeah, exactly. Like it all, yeah. The more you simplify any fear, it it's uh, just like, ultimately oh, I'm goes, afraid I might die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I'm afraid that 
of the end, you know, yeah. of nothingness or of I'll never do the thing. I'm afraid of not existing. Yeah. Yeah. And so like Flanagan really hones in on that. And that doesn't mean he doesn't t- talk about other things. Like we said, this is kind of about, you know, generations sacrificing the younger people. Like he'll have stuff on top of it. But it's always kind of related to death. And I just love that he always tackles it from these different directions. And he knows to like limit that and still make death mysterious. Even when it's like there's some versions of this where, yeah, like a character dies and then they're just a ghost. And they're like, hey, I'm a ghost. It's fine. Like he's done versions of that. Um, And so, but like it's, it's the thing of the more you make death not mysterious and not that, the less scary it can be so like i think like um haunting of hill house one of the key things he does is he makes death more and less and less scary as it progresses is a big part of it but death is still he shows death from the perspective of the people dying and it's this abstract that's really kind of terrifying still of like locked into their own weird hells obviously two storms is probably one of the best fucking hours of television yeah that's a great episode and it shows death as being like it's not scary it's sad and and like that's such a good way of doing it like he loves the idea of death being tragic and like sad to be dead is like a sad story and um bly manor also does that like it's these tragic stories so he manages to make death like to like explore what death is more than you'd you'd think right he loves showing the perspective of the dead the bly manor has that Mm -hmm. whole episode where she's just in a room and that's it that's her death um he doesn't really glamorize it he doesn't glamorize it and he still makes it feel terrifying Mm -hmm. um while also giving you this weird sense of like security and i noticed that the ones that he wants you to feel better about death in the most are the ones where he doesn't show that side midnight mass doesn't show here's what happens when you die you no. know um, um it does briefly it a does little with kate, briefly with he, kate siegel's character in the end yeah and there's uh, the, and um, with riley the when boat. riley when yeah when he bursts the into the flame yeah <laughs> which is a very funny scene um uh but like he only <laughs> yes, shows yeah. a taste of it just a little taste and so like i think that's like this is even less of that where it's like death is a it's a closed door it's a black it's the mystery box that it stays a mystery it's we, we the point of this is to not show any of that yeah um and i think that's interesting i think it's interesting to look at his stuff and think of how, how does he handle the the veil of death um and he sort of knows how to handle it depending on the story which is really cool to me yeah it changes it changes um, depending on what the story what, needs to be. Exactly. And it's really cool to watch all of Mike Flanagan's stuff in that perspective of like, how is he looking at death in this one? Yeah. Man, I, just, I love the decision to make her a moral character. Like I said, great. Yeah. Great, great choice. Great performance. Um, I don't have too much else to talk about. No, it's just another banger from Mike Flanagan. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like all his stuff. Um, everything i've seen of his yeah movies included i've liked to some extent some i like more than others Mm -hmm. but that's just how humans work yeah even his um even his first movie his kickstarted movie is pretty legit yeah all of his stuff is great oculus man yeah i enjoyed the show of oculus (laughs) that's a good one oh i haven't seen before awake i need to watch that 
Let's do it. And uh, right. but I think that's a so, Dave. Yeah, I think, that's a I big, think we that's may a... have we may have fulfilled the terms of the deal. It's a big old turgid sowed. So mm-hmm. thanks for listening, everybody. Speaking of turgid, enjoy enjoy your Thanksgiving. Or ha- I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. I think this comes out post Thanksgiving. When's Thanksgiving? You know what? Thursday. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving uh, Day. Listen, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y. Unemployed. Uh, you go on there for $5 a month. You get access to exclusive podcasts. Tom and Jeff watch Batman. Fox Mulder's Maniac. Star Trek The Next Futurama. Spielboys. We watch movies every Friday night with our patrons. Uh, I think we watched Ouija 2 at one point. We definitely um, have, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. We have fun. People love us. We're great. Yeah. All those things are true. We also have a store. A third thing is tr- that is true fourth yeah. i don't know uh head over to gamefullyunemployed.com where you can find a link to our teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get our t-shirts mugs stickers posters all sorts of things so slap your death dealing raven peepers onto that yeah do it mm. do it do and yet don't trust birds no never they Why could be you? dead what a bird they could in your be house death. right best case scenario they're a bird Mm -hmm. which is terrible now you have a bird in the house